Do you see what's happening back here? Do you, do you, are you paying attention? That they're building more prisons and tearing down schools? Do you, do you see what's happening? How necessary you are. Not just your presence, but your voice and your, your, your command. We need, we need you wide awake. We, we need you so desperately, so deeply. Whatever it is that you have planned, keep it in the dark. Revolution does not happen in the light. It happens in the dark and there's normally some smoke involved. I'm just saying. Jazz was not invented in the broad daylight. It was invented in small, tiny places with a lot of smoke in the air and people were being themselves. You can't videotape it. You can't blog about it. You can't, you can't do any of that stuff. It has to be quiet and focused. Music, art, and black culture. You are listening to Blacks with Blues, and I am your host, Justin Jones, recording to you from Detroit, Michigan. Let's get back into it. Exist a catalyst used to formulate a safe space to be black and alive. A safe space to redefine what it means to be black and with a voice. With 
Black Thought and Freedom of Choice in Hand, Blacks with Blues was created a little over a year ago simply to provide the conversation, the collective, the ongoing narrative of what it means to be black and with the blues. closest friends on earth, the same people who helped me mold what Blacks of Blues is today. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Nucleus.
back in studio with episode 9 of Blacks with Blues. Welcome to the Nucleus. As always, I'm your host, Justin Jones, recording to you from Detroit, Michigan. Welcome back, y'all. It's been a minute. It's been about a couple of months. Don't ask why. Life just decided to come for me, but uh, I brushed it off in the best way possible. And I'm back with not one, not two, but three special guests. The same people who helped me mold what Blacks with Blues is today. And we're all in studio talking about what it means to be black, to be us, and uh, just life in Detroit. Life for us. But before we get into that, I want to give you guys a music mix, about 20 minutes, to just take you through my mind over the past couple of months. It's not really anything deep. Sometimes it don't have to be deep. Sometimes it just has to sound good to you. And that's what this music mix is for me. So uh, turn it up, plug it in. Do whatever you got to do to sit back and enjoy the Blacks and Blues vibes. And in 20 minutes, we'll be back with those interviews and those special guests.
but those 20 minutes seem to blow by really really quickly but uh, i hope you enjoyed the mix i got one more track for you it's one of my favorites over the past couple of months uh it's a remix girl unit remix of kalila send me out so sit back and enjoy that one and right after that we're gonna hop into the first interview of the day with my co-host co-creator close friend Alyssa osaseri so stay tuned for that and enjoy. Tell 
We're live. Hi. We are live. Hi, Alyssa. Hello. I miss you. I miss um, you too. It's not the first time that we've ever talked through the show because um, we've recorded previous things together that just never made it because of alien interference and things like that. But this is the first time we're talking. That's <laughs> and it's actually going to go into a show. I just forget remember the alien interference. Oh my God, that was creepy. Go, go ahead. But anyways, uh, for those who don't know who you are and all of your delightfulness and black woman magic, please enlighten them and uh, let us know who you is and where you from, who you is, where you from. <laughs> so my name is Alyssa, Alyssa Osasere. Um, I'm 20 years old, 21 in June. Oh my God, that's crazy to me. Um, I am an artist. I am a junior, now senior, at the University of Michigan. It's still crazy to me. Like, wow. I'm majoring in women's studies right now, but um, I'm probably gonna switch majors to this place called School of Information, because I do a lot with like computers and design, especially like UX design, UI design, all that kind of stuff. That's just at least a specialization I want to go into. They have stuff on social media and just like general data analytics, which analytics that's not my thing. I just want to do creative stuff, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I'm from Southfield, Michigan. Um, 12 Mile Boys. <laughs> yeah, I moved around a lot. Not a lot, not as much as some people, but I've moved around a considerable amount. So, but even despite mm -hmm. that, I still say that I am from Southfield born there you know spent half my life there so yeah i like drawing i have an art blog I have an art instagram i like writing i like music music is like my number and you're one just thing. hella gifted before we go any <laughs> further i have to reference your playlist that i've been playing all this morning Aww. while just cleaning up and staining wood okay um mangoes plantains and pineapples right yeah mango plantain and pineapple mangoes plantains and pineapples mm -hmm pop that in because it's not a cd <laughs> so maybe you can just go to spotify and listen to it y'all but uh definitely play that because she's an amazing uh playlist curator of sorts but um thank you before i get into talking more about like all your artistic gifts and just you as uh an artist we created this whole idea a year ago and so what we're here to talk about today is the fact that the nucleus has grown from just you and i to what southfield ish black ish uh teenage ish individuals yeah to at least now five. yeah <laughs> yeah now we young gifted and black in like five deep and it just feels really good and we've done great things so far we're like what episode we're in the teens right now i, have, I don't even count anymore it's just it's awesome but um mm -hmm. our mission statement for me personally is just to provide uh the soundtrack to black liberation <laughs> And within that is just, you know, telling black narratives, giving light to where light isn't always given for black people, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. But uh, what is this for you? What is this thing we do that is Blacks with Blues so, for you? Yeah, Blacks with Blues started for me as a, te as a text, a random text. I don't remember <laughs> what time of day it was, but Justin was just like, you were, I don't know who should I be addressing. But anyway, Justin was just like... <laughs> I got this idea, this collective slash like um, podcast slash uh, collective podcast slash I don't know. It was it was just very nebulous at the shit. time. It was a bunch <laughs> of things, and he was yeah. like, "I'm." It's called Blacks with Blues. And first, I was like, "This is a good name because me, I'm a color junkie. I just love anything to do with color mm -hmm. because colors evoke so many things emotionally and just like artistically for me." So that was already like, "Hmm, this sounds cool." 
So over time, we just started off as just making it a series of playlists on Spotify, which are still in existence, all 15 odd, some of them. (laughs) Yeah. But um, originally, we were just thinking of it being some type of show where we would play music, make mixes, and just talk about things. And all the playlists we made were based on the uh, theme we had for uh, that episode. And we were going to talk about certain things that pertain to the issues that were brought up with the songs, whether it was, um, you know, education and how that's hard and really a weird situation, especially for black students or, you know, Afrofuturism, African mermaids and stuff like that. We just had a lot of ideas. So we just kept going with it over the past year on and off because we all we both had a bunch of shit going on that time that we were going through so we didn't get to work on it consistently but it was always in the back of our minds or at least the back of my mind i know it was always justin's forefront but um yeah and then around the summertime of 2016 we got a little bit more time to work on it more start recording although it was mainly justin who did that we both got time to talk a little bit more about what we wanted out of the podcast and everything. And Justin started recording some episodes. I wasn't working on it at the time, but I think that's a huge part in like any kind of artistic creation is that it's never you think everything up in one session. It's like what you always say, it's a downloading period that just happens. Yeah. Like there are a couple months where I just really didn't do anything with Blacks and Blues, but um, mm-hmm. even during that time, I would still think about it. And I would still, like, have ideas that I wouldn't share, but they would be there. And um, what got me really back into wanting to um, work on it more was this past election season. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember. I remember the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was election night. Uh, that was just a rough night in general, like, in, in every arena. I mean, I was on my period, getting really bad cramps. I had the flu, so I had I was I had a fever, and mm-hmm. I was like shivering and everything. And Damn. my roommates were Damn, all son, you was all the way. It was up. really bad, and like my roommate, I was nauseous. It was just like every bad way to feel. I felt bad, and all my roommates were like sad, drunkenly like talking about America. Oh. They, it was a Tuesday night. They were all drinking and sad on and crying, Tuesday. just watching. <laughs> yeah, just watching every single state turn red. You know, mm-hmm. Michigan really fucked us up, man. Like I remember, I remember when you like uh, hit me up after all that mm-hmm. um, mess. It was just like, yeah, I need to get back into Blacks and Blues because you, you noticed after like the first couple of weeks or hell, I, I noticed with that after the first twenty four hours that there was a there was a brand new hindrance in my artistic journey that I, I couldn't really hop over and uh, continue my artistic livelihood. Um, after so and you're just basically like yeah we gotta we gotta uh do more because there's a um there's a climate for just not being able to express as freely as you could before the election it that was just is existing now and the thing is it's not like that that feeling hasn't always been there it's just something it's just been weird because in the past that you know racist sentiment and things like that they've always been there they, this country was founded on it so trump winning was not anything unfamiliar for america no. the problem was that it's just like it made it so real because you know just coming out of the era of obama even though you know the post-racial <laughs> society has always been a myth it's like you know we had this idea that we could get somewhere and we still can go places but we had this idea yeah. that you know we could ele- like elevate and feel like we're accepted and feel like we're doing valuable work. But I noticed a lot of artists that 
are artists of color, not even just artists of color, you know, queer artists that I know of, um, Muslim artists that I know of, they're all just really feeling down and just distraught and they weren't creating work like they usually do. And on edge. And on edge, definitely. Yeah, it's like in the time like this, you know, uh, more now than ever, you feel like you have to express your voice, but at the same time, it's like I'm scared to because it's not as safe. Yeah, I don't even want to say not as safe anymore because it was never that safe to begin with. But there's just a... Uh, you just realize you know, how real the danger is. Yeah, yeah, it's like when you're a kid and they turn the lights out. And okay, you're a little bit more scared than what you were with the lights on. potatoes bread and butter um of the whole uh thing we're about to talk about i just wanted to ask you about um a couple of things but i I guess i could sum it up into one nice big conversation um about your journey so that that implies you know since we created this whole thing blacks with blues before that if you want to touch on stuff like that but um your journey through your artistry and most importantly what your blackness is to you and basically that's just how do you define yourself and what things resonate with you most that uh remind you of who you are whether it be you know your ancestry um where you're from your family how you practice your art things like that i guess maybe just a small biography about who Alyssa osaseri really is yeah in uh, conjunction with her blackness okay so um i know that's a lot no 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 it's <laughs> fine it's something i've been thinking about a lot lately so, I mean, I'm, I'm a really, really introspective person. Sometimes I'm just like, do you just not, like, oh, live outside oh, of your me, head? I know it. <laughs> like, duh. Anyway, um, I've always been drawing. The first memory of a drawing that I did was when I was about five years old, and I was drawing some Barbie dolls that I had gotten. And I th- it was actually, this is funny now that I'm thinking about this now, because... Before that, when I would draw, I didn't have any crayons or anything, no colors, because I'm, I'm a color queen over here. I, I love color. And then I think my mom bought me some crayons one day. And I realized that you can use the peach color as a skin tone. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, that's where it all started. 
yeah that's where it all started so you know oh, and like i said <laughs> <laughs> it's like this wow this looks like real skin and you know mm. from then on i started drawing dang yeah that hit me deep i never <laughs> knew you kn i never knew that dang so yeah, that's weird i was like five or so colorist mindset of just starting out as a black artist drawing white depiction of, of life dang yeah and deep. you know like media influences what we see from when we're really young so mm -hmm. i would see lots of characters who were white and um so all everything i would draw was centered around whiteness and then i got into anime also around that time when i was five years old when toonami was still on I'm, i think toonami's mm -hmm. back now but it's not the same it's not the same god bless yeah when uh sailor moon okay here's how it would go my older brother was into dragon ball z I always hated Dragon Ball Z because just all the screaming and the power dynamics, it just felt like one <laughs> giant, like, dick measuring contact, contest. I, I just, to be honest. I just, I just really hate Dragon Ball Even to this day, I'm just like, why do y'all niggas like Dragon Ball Z so much? Nothing happened. <laughs> anyway, Sailor Moon would come on after Dragon Ball Z when I would get back from school at 3.30 p.m. I'd run home from the bus and I'd turn on and then the theme song would come on and I would just, just be enamored for like 30 minutes because it was just amazing to me that she saw this girl squad with pretty outfits and distinctive styles and distinctive personalities that were like color-coded um just not so fighting evil today. yeah pretty much it's like they're just fighting <laughs> evil, living life and yeah. i just I, I just wanted to make stuff like that so i started by drawing characters who were obvious ripoffs but not total ripoffs because i changed their names of characters that i already knew about so yeah I got deeper into anime. Of course, I'd still watch American cartoons, and some of that that influence is still in me. Certain ones, I noticed the American cartoon cartoons that influenced me more were actually influenced more by anime, like Teen Titans and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I just kept drawing, kept watching anime, kept accumulating ideas. At this time, though, I'd never really thought about myself as a black woman, a black girl. This is a, like elementary school. Because, um, I don't know, me and thinking of myself as black, I accept it now, but in the past it was, I just don't really know how I thought of it. Because when I started school, I went to Southfield Public Schools, which is a predominantly black school district. And, you know, everyone looked like me there. So I was just like, okay, this is chill. And then second- That's where we met. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Later, much later, like 10 years later. Much still. later. Damn, yeah. like 10 years later. But yeah, so- <laughs> Um, I moved, my parents were like, they saw Southfield Public Schools, especially my mom, my dad, he, he was busy working, but my mom was like, you know, I don't think this is the education I want for my kids. So um, she moved me and my brothers out to Wald Lake Consolidated School District. But oh, wasn't that where it was basically like when you was living in Kentucky? Pretty much the boonies, boonies as fuck. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, the thing is, commerce is a new development, so there's, it's like, Imagine the most surreal suburbia, mm -hmm. suburban nightmare. That's commerce, like unfinished houses, just lots of random forests around and stuff. It was weird. But yeah, so I lived there um, from s the rest of my second grade until until sixth grade, the end of sixth grade. Ah, and that's when you were sentenced to just being that black girl in the yep. class, the only black girl in the it class. started early because i remember in second grade i walked in the classroom and you know all white faces and i was like these are the people i see on tv this is fine <laughs> i didn't think that at yeah. the time not in that not in that way but it was just like okay these are just more people 
I just never thought, and I knew I was the only black girl, but that didn't really bother me for some reason. Like, it affected my little brother. I don't think brain. any of that stuff ever bothers you until people teach you about what's actually wrong with that, that picture. That's the thing. It's funny. I don't, because my little brother, at the time, when he came into school, he, like, was, like, um, really, really distraught about his blackness. Mm-hmm. He was just like, oh, my, why is my nose so big? Why is my skin so dark? And things like that. And it's just like, it's it's weird that it affected him so much but not me i don't know maybe it was because i went to southfield and was already around kids who look like me and then switched over while he was just put right into the whiteness but yeah so you're just like hey i'm trying to draw some pretty colors (laughs) grab me that peach marker that's true let me do my sailor moon like yeah i was just trying to make friends carefree black girl you better go i had my twists in you know it was it was it was a good time yes barrettes Mm -hmm, bless your heart (laughs) (sighs) yeah that was that was me all throughout elementary school with the barrettes and everything so Mm -hmm. this is really important to my like artwork now so I was always surrounded by people who don't really look like me, like for most of my life, for maybe not most, maybe significant part of my life, I'd say. And I was always in this weird state of being proud of not being like everyone else in terms of, you know, not being white, but also still wanting to fit into this acceptable, um, acceptable, not stereotype, acceptable mold, I guess especially when you are a black person because my both my parents raised me to be you know to enunciate your words and you know do this and this and that that'll make you look good to these people and uh, not even just these people to anyone because my mom she always talks about how her mom would teach her to treat people the way you want to be treated Hmm. so yeah I, i think that was part of why my shift from a black school to a white school wasn't so abrupt for me because i was just like okay well people are people i'm just gonna keep treating them like people but it's weird because treating people certain the way you treat certain people is coded sometimes with certain other things because because i was raised to be an eloquent that word gives me makes me so bitter now an eloquent you know well-spoken you had a cosby (laughs) Yeah. About you. It's funny how you say that because my dad, both my parents really love the Cosby show. I mean, it's different now. My, uh, that's that's a that's a topic for another episode. I can that's get a, another. Whew, that's <laughs> I got I got lots of words on that because personal connections and, you know, mm. eerie life things that yeah, add up. So, um, yeah, it was just very focused on respectable blackness before anything else. You know, you don't want to be the loud ghetto black person in the room, especially if you're the only black person in the room, because that reflects bad on all black people and it reflects bad on you. And that'll just lead to you not getting as many opportunities for my mom. That was kind of how it worked out, because she was the only one in her family to go to college. And that's just kind of what she learned to get by. And for my dad, you know, he's Nigerian and Nigerians always have this weird relationship with whiteness because of the colonization that happened there. Whiteness is on a pedestal and everything. So I just accepted that as this fact, as truth that, you know, okay, well, I have to be like not that black, even though at the same time I was still proud that I was black. But in some ways I wasn't Mm. because my hair was always a huge, still is a really huge thing i have 4c hair through and through i have little like little little parts of like i don't know 4a in the back which i don't understand how that happened but it it, that happened so but my hair has always been a struggle for me because i've been trying i was trying for the longest time to make it look i I don't want to say look exactly like white hair but to make it be straight you know 
the mm. the typical struggle with black hair in a society that favors. You never did a perm, did you? Hmm. Oh no. See, the thing you is, never did a perm. Yeah. The thing is, I never did a perm, but I did do this thing called a texturizer, which is like a scaled down ah. perm, and even that fucked mm. up my hair. I remember in sixth grade, I asked for it. My mom didn't want to do it. I should have listened to my mom, cause she said that I had really thick hair, really long. I mean, it is still pretty damn thick, but it was a lot longer than it was. It was a lot healthier and everything. There wasn't as much, there wasn't any heat damage, but yeah, she, she put it in because I wouldn't stop asking for it. And a lot of the hair in the back of my head fell out over the course of sixth grade, which is a disaster year in a lot of ways, but that was one, one way it was. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's just been me trying to juggle respectability with my actual identity of what I feel like I should be like as a, as a black person, as a woman, because respectability is also another thing for women that's like a part of your identity. If you're not respectable, then you're not a woman. And it's even harder to juggle that being a black woman because black women's um, womanness is often not even thought of as actual womanness. So... It's a lot of weird things to juggle at the same time, but honestly, my my journey with natural hair is really similar to my journey with self love, which is a whole that's another episode, mm. which is that's also deep. it really is. Ooh. I've noticed so many like similarities with it. It's I don't want to go into it. I'm, I'm mm. we gonna do a self love uh, episode part two. We gotta we gotta. <laughs> I'm, all I'm saying yeah. is like. Self-love is a journey, and it is still a struggle. It is. And I don't know. I feel like 4C hair, the kinkiest, curliest type of hair, is the type of hair that really shows you most about self-love. Because in 90% of its forms, it's not accepted. Like, in any community, even, like, within the black community, it's still just, like, not even the ideal natural hair. Whenever you see natural hair chicks, it's always the loose curled girls and stuff like that. Or the 4C hair girls are trying to get their hair to look like that. And, you know, it's just... Twist outs. Yeah. I mean, I've... I've I don't know. Twist outs, to me, in the past, I was thinking of it in that way. But now, twi- the thing with 4C hair, you have to know how to manage it. And twist outs are a way to manage it. They're not just, like, a way yeah. to make it look like a different texture. It's, like... If you just wear an Afro 4C hair all the time and let it grow, it'll really mat up, and that's not a fun time. I learned that this past year. Don't do that to your hair. But it's just like doing twist outs just to yeah uh, for the look that type of curl pattern, you know. Right. <clears throat> so and being mad when it don't look like that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm just like, hey, if it's an Afro that's still like slightly twisted, that's fine. I used to be like, no, it has to fall. It has to do this. I'm just mm. now I've just accepted yep. that my hair just grows upward, and that's fine. You know. Yeah, so I just really had to come to terms with the fact that Alyssa, you're black. Well, I knew I was black, but it's like you're black and you're smart. That doesn't make you one less black, and that does also doesn't make you two better than you know these kids who haven't had as much exposure to certain things as you had. And I was like, you know, you right, conscious, you right. So you know, I just started to really embracing blackness more. I started listening to rap music. I mean, that sounds like so stereotypical, but no, for real. I started actually like getting into it and like not judging it because this was around the time Section 80 had just came out and I just moved back to Lathrop and maybe that was Good Kid, Mad City. I don't know. But either, it, anyway, someone was blasting Rigor Mortis from, from the car and he did. Amen. You know, that stuff. And my dad was just like, what is this nonsense? I can't believe people actually listen to that. And it was funny because at the time I was just getting into Kendrick Lamar and I was like, 
it begins my rebellion my quiet rebellion of these colonialist um ideals that have been indoctrinated into my dad and then indoctrinated into me are like starting to you know come up so yeah you know i just started really loving blackness for what it is and really appreciating it and i've started to learn how to dance <laughs> that was always i don't know i've never told this to anybody but that was always a huge insecurity of mine even though you know there was that whole superiority complex of feeling like oh yes i'm not that kind of black but i i was like really self-conscious about myself and my body and stuff like that so um I just didn't like to dance in front of people and when I did I would like get ridiculed sometimes and I was like okay I can't dance I'm white I'm like a white person but then I was just like no first of all no second of all no so I just started learning that dancing is really just about even the idea of being able to dance all it is is just feeling a rhythm it is like so like good dancing bad dancing that's really the only criteria so even if you dance weirdly but it's still on some type of rhythm that to me is good dancing people Mm -hmm. i just feel like people just think good dancing is just like one thing hey man good dancing to me is just you better express that ass Mm -hmm. you better fucking enjoy yourself exactly i don't care what it look like and that's what it's come to for me and i'm really glad because it's been really freeing like when i go in public now it's like and there's dancing involved i just go at it and it's like yeah Pipe down, pipe down, pipe down, pipe down, pipe down. We're here tonight for a very special offering. An offering of our spirits this evening in unison, unison. But first, a word of instruction. Hello, hello. Please leave all your belongings at the door. You can sit us down, we can take a boat and just tiptoe to the center of the circle while we unveil the ropes. Still a little room left to hang your clothes. Some of us are new here, we'll take it slow. Ready, set, go. I like hands with yours. We dive into the floor. When we reach the core, then we stomp some more. I like hands with yours, and then we dive down into the floor. Except for thousand miles till we reach the core, and then we circle back and we stomp some more. Got it? It's just like that. Your partner's at your left and you turn your back. You glide across the space and diagonal past. Then you kick and you jump and you arch your back. You move your hips and your arms like a cat. Spin three times on your back where you're at. Are you starting to catch what any of this is about? No? Well, work it out. Out of body from morning to night. Dance low pads and I'm feeling alright. Out of body from morning to night. Dance low pads and I'm feeling alright. Out of body from morning to night, dance low pads and I'm feeling alright. Out of body from morning to night, dance low pads and I'm feeling alright. Okay, you slide like a lizard, bark like a crab. Eyes dilated, dark to the grass. Then when you find you're invisible, you melt into a puzzle, keep it flowing like the rivers do. You gotta pay attention to the motion of the fish. Stay within the school or you're surely gonna miss. And if you lose your way, it's the cold black abyss. Don't take the chance, not worth the risk.
so confused <laughs> because i pressed record and it just didn't okay anyways welcome audrey hey you're my favorite i have to say that you're right my off the favorite bat. oh great you're my best i would friend. hope so you are my best friend yeah what um, if you weren't that's hard to come by yeah every single time i say you are my best friend people are like dang you got one of those yeah low-key People don't believe me because you know how some girls are like, "That's my best friend." Exactly. They think it's like that, but no, you're like this is, my. This is a real my Chelsea. Yeah. You're the Chelsea to my Raven. You are the Shonda Rhimes to my Viola. Are they best friends? I don't know. They should be. But I wouldn't be Viola. Wouldn't be. Uh, you're right. Viola without Shonda. You're right. And Shonda wouldn't be. They should be Shonda. best friends. They should be. That'd be a nice. You make me who I am. Aww. I am Olivia and you are Shonda. You write my script. Oh, gosh. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for fun. those who don't know who I'm in the Blacks of Blues studio with right now, yo, 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 my yo. best friend of all time, Audrey Meadows, a.k.a. Zaza, a.k.a. Yo, 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 yo,
We fools. Hey. This this episode might be really funny. This this isn't gonna be structured at all. This ain't gonna be structured. Not- this ain't gonna be your typical hopping into deep existential black not conversation. That's just not who I am. We just silly. Um, you Audrey. Tell me a little bit about I yourself. Am Audrey. Who is Audrey and okay. who is Zaza? Sure. Well, Audrey is a twenty-year-old black woman. Hey. Uh, I go to college part time. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Mm. I have existential crises every other day. Same. Um, but you know, we keep it moving. <laughs> we keep hustling out here. Uh, Zaza is my what I say was my mix. Mixologist name. name. Ooh, you a mixologist. I'm, did you see my Instagram? I did. Oh, it was like Blacks and Blues mix. That made me so happy. I was like, she out here representing the culture. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> That's my. I guess it's a stage name. Yeah, you can say yeah. That. And I'll explain it. So when I was a baby, um, my dad used to call me Zaza mm-hmm. all the time. That was my baby name. And so I was saying. Uh, as a music person I never did music before So Zaza is like me being a baby again mm. uh, This is me getting into it And I'll always be trying something new This will always be new to me So That's true Zaza is That's deep Yeah I That's guess really The way you tackle it You tackle it like a baby But you're so underrated Thank you Like you're really good If y'all haven't heard her mixes yet It's on the Blacks of Blues SoundCloud uh, You it's can spell it like covers. Z-A Zaza that's how I is find Is that you. how it is? Z-A-S. Oh my Z-A. God. Zasiza. I'm a Zasiza. You a Zasiza. It's Zaza guy. But you can pronounce it Zaza. Um, She has a SoundCloud and it's amazing. Thank you. And you also are featured on our SoundCloud because you're amazing and you're part of the family. Thanks. Um, We met. I can say that. Ooh. We talk about one. Oh gosh. We're going back in the past. Going way back. Oh. <laughs> we met in tenth, ninth, tenth grade. Tenth grade. Yes. I know you in ninth grade. I didn't know you went to Lathrop in ninth grade. Yeah, I didn't know you existed either. No. That's because high school was so big at that point. It was. I only saw two feet ahead of myself. Low key. That's it. I knew the people I knew. That's because the that world was, was too big at that point. But tenth grade, it got a little bit bigger. But yes. I understood a little bit better. And we met. Mm-hmm. You had braids. You was in math class, mm-hmm. and I complimented your hair. Then a week later, I had a crush on you. Then a week later, you that found out about the crush. It was so awkward. So Somebody weird. told you, and I remember you texted me, and you let me down <laughs> so easily. You said, Justin, I don't have those feelings for you. <laughs> did I say that? You did. Like, I never meant to hurt you. That's so real. <laughs> and I was so hurt. Were you? Because, like, a week before that, you showed me. I based all my friendships off of the first songs people show me. So, really? one of the first songs you showed me and got me hip to was uh, Remember by Dead Mouse. Yeah. But it was the Cascade remix yeah. or something like that. And I was listening to the sad version where it's just the piano. Yeah. And I was walking. <laughs> it was raining. And I was walking home from school. I never heard this before. And you texted me. And you was like, I never meant to hurt you. And I was like, Remember how I failed with you. Honestly, when I did that, I thought you would never. Talk to me again, <laughs> and then the next day I show up to school thinking it was gonna be awkward, but I was like, Hey, yeah, and then we started like, swapping okay, my music. So we're still, yeah, we're still friends, and, and we here became we are. super close friends ever since then, bonding through music. Mm-hmm. Toro and moi, that's our first concert together, yeah. Uh, we ain't gonna talk about how lame I was at that concert. Oh, let's talk about that actually, since he don't want to talk about it. So we went to Tori and moi at where was that? Majestic, Magic Stick, Magic Stick yeah. yeah. And this was during his phase where he was, was too cool for school. Yes. 
and didn't want to dance or nothing. So we was at the Tori Mont concert, and he out here jamming a uh, Toro. And I'm in my cute little outfit, and he looking cute. I'm like, okay, we're going to have a good time. Everybody's dancing, and you see little Justin in the corner. Like, I'm too cool for school. Won't move. Look mad at everybody. I'm like, forget this. I'm leaving. Such <laughs> I'm going to dance person. with these drunk oh. people. If I was, I was so there and I saw me, I would literally just grab myself. Oh, by the ears and so just mad. Have fun, dang like it. How, why, why did you do that? I think I was super insecure at the time. Me too. And I didn't know how to dance at a concert. That was like my second concert ever. My first concert was Summer Jams. And it was oh, like. I've never been to Summer Yeah, it was always oh, Diggy Simmons and the girl who did. <laughs> Can I get a read? Feel oh, what her? her? <laughs> who knows? I want to be her. Um, it was a bunch of Big Sean was the headliner. I think. Okay. And so it was just a that was my first concert. Wow. And I almost wore a sweater to that. Summer jams. <laughs> Summer. I can see you do that. Exactly. I used to Those do crazy big chunky things. sweaters. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Beavis and Butthead one. You remember that sweatshirt? Yes. Mm-hmm. The um, I was just awkward at the time, and I didn't know how to express myself. And I figured being quiet and angry looked cooler than looking that's rare expressive and free but now i'm completely
Chris's thing and how we walked in. She gonna explain it. And this is the epitome of who we are as awkward uh, black individuals. And since then, I really avoid. I, this this is the reason I don't go to parties. Exactly. This is the we reason. just have to go to places where there are people similar to us, and if not similar, just people who can coexist with us. Similar people intimidate me because they're always a little like I don't know. If you walk into a room of me, you gonna be intimidated. Ain't nobody like you. <laughs> No, but like, you want me to explain the party? Yeah. Okay. So my boyfriend Chris, hey baby, we he had a performance, and we were like, okay, we're cool. We'll go to this performance at this loft. So we get to the loft, and it's already sketchy from the beginning. I've been to the loft before, and it was was Mexican town. Yeah, it was yeah Mexican town, Midtown area. So we get there, and uh, it's full of trash and dirt and all that it, it, was, it was a pizza <laughs> box open with like a piece of crust on the stairwell it was nasty it was it was nasty so we get there and we open the door <laughs> and it's it's like this small it's a really small loft and this group of people and they're playing music and they all turn and stare at us Bruh. like we're the freaking police it was horrifying <laughs> it was like who is you so, I remember you saying, are you ready before you open the door? And then we open and then just like the music and all the noise comes out. And literally every head, it was kind of like on Finding Nemo when all the pelicans turn. Yeah. Moink, moink, 
They all looked at us. <laughs> You're shorter than me, so you were in front, and I'm behind. And they just look like, who are these people? And then I just stood there like, uh, all right, here we go. You just like walked. So the room was really small. Really tiny. I think like, we took a total of 15 steps. It was uh, like a kitchen, and the kitchen was kind of like a kitchenette <laughs> area. Yeah. And the living room couldn't be as big as the kitchen. It yeah. was maybe a little bigger. It was super small. And there was like 15 people in there, knew nobody. My no. boyfriend was nowhere in sight. None of his friends were anywhere in sight. We had no one to talk no to. No one but each other. We made the most awkward circle. We went in. <laughs> We made a circle. We made this beeline. And then, uh, what did you say? You like hold on. Hold on a second. I gotta. That's my. That's my awkward. <laughs> when, when I'm in an awkward situation, I'm like hold she on said, a second. Hold on. I gotta leave. She just walks right back out the room. I thought we was about to sit and just look at these awkward oh, no. people. You turned, and I was just like. I stood there for like five seconds looking. I was looking to see if anybody was gonna approach me. I was they really didn't. thinking like I should have told Justin to follow me. <laughs> Cause I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. I didn't want to be subject to all that awkwardness. Oh, that was bad. It was, it's kind of, it just, it reminds me like how even like when we were like coming up through high school or whatever, mm-hmm. we was like considered the, not super alternative, what well, I was, because I was going through, I was on some yeah. other stuff. But like even you use alternative to a point where they're like, oh, she's not that type of black, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And same for me. So even, and now it's to the point where even that party was slightly alternative yeah. For just like a normal black party, yeah. but like for some reason we're still considered like that type of alternative where it's yeah. not easy to approach. I'm not sure. Like it, we just like food and talking and yeah. I'm like where do at that point I was really thinking like where do I fit in? Right? Because these look like people like that you could if you walk talk, across yeah. the street I could hang out with. But when we got to the party, they, they looked at they me were in like, their own world and they was high and off of some other stuff. Yeah. But still, it was just like dang, you can't. You can't speak. Can't say hi. Like I'm used to parties where you walk in, everybody speak to you before oh, you had your first drink in your hands. Like we killed somebody. Yeah. Like who was you? I don't. I don't know why that is. That's why. That's why I wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm gonna put here. Here come Uh-oh. the question. Here come. Here come. How's your blackness doing today? No. Oh, <laughs> Did we just talk about? <laughs> Great segue. How's How's your black? Because if. if it's a good way to go into it because I wouldn't I'm not going to speak for you but for me I wouldn't categorize my entire black identity based off the fact that I'm slightly different from most Mm -hmm. black people Mm -hmm. but it's a big part of it because like you said if you walk into a party and people just look at you yeah you know and then they learn more about you and they're like oh he different yeah oh yeah I get that all the time you know it's it's notable Mm -hmm. so what's your black woman awkward experience like how's it feel today uh, what does it smell like i've been asking people that what does it smell like eucalyptus Ooh, you did take a eucalyptus uh, yeah shower. i just i smell like you, you <laughs> right now. um it's ever evolving i'm Definitely. always i'm always in ser- I, i'm kind of always in search of where i fit in mm-hmm. but i'm kind of accepting that it's okay to not fit in mm. and people kind of people that will fit into your life will mm-hmm. like you and Alyssa the people that are in my life are supposed to be so I guess just you know being myself and whoever you know how there's like like you said the alternative black people mm-hmm. and the, the people that like trap music I could get along with all of them you are the perfect on my own terms yeah like trap and then alternative. yeah I could I could relate to both yeah. but it, it's it's a 
it's kind of strange because when I would go to parties like that mm-hmm. or hang out with people, they'd be like, who is this girl? She mm-hmm. ain't twerking. <laughs> like, but I don't. And you either like it or you don't. Yeah. So it's kind of navigating that and see see where, okay, I could be myself and people can accept that. Yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind of hard, but it's getting easier once you're like I don't I don't really care. Because mm-hmm. what time you find like I said you find the right places. Yeah, and, and the older you get, the people that belong in your life will be there. Mm-hmm. So if somebody leaves, it's just not meant to be. I'm kind of solid in my relation, my friendships. Yeah, my relationships. that's what this whole collective is for me. I'm just trying to like build that that collective where we can like belong safely. And yeah. not have to feel that oh man I don't belong nowhere because it's in a sense like those who don't belong anywhere still belong somewhere because there's other people yeah. like them so it's yeah. like hey or just accept that you're not like them exactly that's fine and too. there's nothing wrong with hanging with people you <laughs> nothing alike. nothing I have friends we nothing. were not anything alike when we first met no oh god I was still no. molding oh, into god, this no we were complete opposites. It was like I was negative, very and negative, and I was kind of like, okay. You were free flowing. Yeah, a lot more than I am now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's not get that deep. No, Anyways, no, we're not. So, um, you were born in Detroit. Yes. Detroit, born and raised. Six Mile, you said. Six Mile. Six Mile. Six Mile, Orion. Ooh. Okay. Eureka Road. Your ooh. You, you, what's the address, zip code, all that? Your social security, you want to give us that too? Uh, no. Okay. So, um, so you're a Detroit girl, and I'm a Detroit boy. Mm-hmm. We have so many feelings about Detroit. Yeah. So, so, so Where much. do we start? Where do we even start talking about this situation? Okay, look, I have a conflict. It's conflicting. Okay. My emotions have always been conflicted, especially the downtown area. Mm-hmm. I am happy that we're, we're not where we were. Okay. Because when we were younger, you know, there was nothing to do. I always had to be with my dad and you know it, it Detroit wasn't downtown Detroit I have to say downtown Detroit it's mm-hmm. two completely different yeah. things downtown and midtown and all that they were completely different so I'm glad that you know they're getting business and there's things to do but at the expense of who that's my that's my issue with that uh, I've heard a lot of people being kicked out of their houses Mm -hmm. because they're tearing them down and building stadiums the rent is ridiculous they're building they're supposed to um my mom was saying um he was building a skyscraper in new center Mm. there was like plans for it so new center like the cheapest area towards downtown it's gonna be kind of crazy too um so it's like pros and cons i'm i'm happy i can't i'm not mad Mm -hmm. that it's happening it's bittersweet it really is yeah and it when we were talking about like where do we belong in that mm. I don't know where I belong exactly in that. so now it's like dang I, I was already tripping off of the fact that I couldn't belong socially amongst people but mm-hmm. now it's like socioeconomically oh, I can't belong exactly. in the city I was born and raised exactly. in Exactly. and you want to be I want to be a part of that mm-hmm. like renewal of exactly. Detroit you want to you want to be a part of midtown and downtown mm-hmm. but I can't afford it and it's that's what I think is really interesting right now the fact that it's certain people down there that are black yeah. and around our age that are part of like the resurgence and the <laughs> in the opening of uh, not opening I said opening because the door was closing <laughs> the comeback if yeah. you would of Detroit but 
it's like like how you was talking about Emmanuel. This dude got a Chipotle job. How do you afford to live down? Yeah. Like the people I know, they got like you know normal part time jobs. It amazes me. But the difference is, I'm learning. What do we have that they don't like? We have so much. A lot of responsibilities. I have a car note. I have mm-hmm. gas. I drive from Detroit to Ann Arbor sometimes. I do a yeah. lot. People who live in the city, like Gabriel, he walks everywhere mm-hmm. he needs to go. Yeah. Like the people who are down there, down there, they don't need a car mm-hmm. because their job is down the street. And if it's not down the street, you can take the D dot. You can hop on the new Q line. The Q line. Which is opened to yesterday. Today, I have actually. To see that. It's, you haven't seen it? Mm-mm. I've seen it, but I want to see it in person. Like work. It's so weird. What's it's just like? this big old cart. <laughs> no, it looks really nice though. I like it. Uh, uh, you know my uh, favorite poet, Jessica Caremore. Yeah. She has a a poem or not a poem, but a line on one of the carts that they put on there, mm-hmm. and it's so sweet. It's something inspirational. I, I saw it on her Instagram the other day. But it goes hand in hand. Like you know the fact that they put a line from her poem on the cart. That, oh, it's on the cart. Yeah, it's on there. Like, oh, I thought it was like there. about the cart. No. Oh, snap. it's on there and. You know, it's like this black poetess born and raised in Detroit yeah. who lives in Corktown currently, you know, has something on the Q line, which for a lot of us represented gentrification. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. So it reminds me that, you know, there are people like us down there fitting in, but it's like, how you do it? That's what I want to talk yeah. to these people who live down there. Like, how, and I have not blatantly come out and like, okay, what's your rent situation? To like? be honest. Like, how are you eating? How does this work? How are you bathing? I'm not sure how explain, it works. Exp- explain me this. I don't understand. I'm not sure how it but works. That's, that's, that's where I am. Like like you are just wanting really badly to fit in down there. Yeah. Because it's getting harder It's like, where do I harder. go? It's like whenever I see like mm-hmm. news about downtown, it's this, this white businessman, mm-hmm. and they're building stuff up, and that's great. They're building a soccer stadium. You hear about they that? Are? They're making a soccer stadium down there. Dan Gilbert. Fucking soccer. Soccer. Wow. Soccer, like football. <laughs> football. Football. They're going to play football yeah, I'm like, who's next gonna? to the Lions. I know some people will. Some people will yeah. watch it. It's the most popular sport <clears throat> in the world, but it's just random. It's, as much as the gentrification is like annoying me, <laughs> I can't help but look at it and like, this is nice. It is nice. Like, exactly. And that's, that's my thing. It's that, really that straight up Midtown area, like Woodward and... Uh, forest mm-hmm. or like second Ave around that area, like right by Wayne State and all that. Yeah. Basically, if you're not familiar with the gentrification, you can start at the Q line, which is like Grand River to and Woodward, honest, and just go all the way down all to Campus Marshes. And you can see the cutoff. Mm-hmm. You can see the cutoff. Uh, Detroit is the whole like southeastern Michigan area. We're notorious for having this segregation mm-hmm. maybe that's my problem it's kind of it it's bringing out more of the segregation mm-hmm. there's this uh i think there was a survey and we are the most segregated city in the country mm, and bad. it's so obvious like if you go to old park and you drive down old park boulevard you can see the difference between old park and ferndale people so we should go to a, a music break before we talk about the real deep stuff yeah yeah let's do that uh give me some music i'm gonna put on something fun 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 Okay. So, like, you have a good time, and then, well, should I? Yeah. What? I don't know. Ooh, this is about to be a Zaza DJ set. Uh, Ooh. Uh, don't don't think about it like that. Just do three, two songs. I got you. 
You got me? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, All right. this is this is the first in studio DJ <laughs> set. I'm about I'm not about to cry. He about to but cry. I want to cry so he bad. He always y'all. say he about Do to y'all cry. Do you understand the come up? I recorded the first episode of this show in my car because I couldn't find really? a place. Yes, in my car. I thought it was in your room. No. In Ooh. my car because I was living with my grandma at the time and there was too many people in her house. You know how grandma and black car in my houses are. Yeah, yeah. Baby kids everywhere. I'm in my car, homie. Well, look at us now. And now we on a back We're porch. We're on the sunroom. In Kenya. No, we, we ain't in Kenya. Sun. We ain't in no Kenya. It feel like it though. This cute bush. Every, it's just nice. It's a bush, y'all. It's, but it's a really tropical looking it's bush. It's a bush. It matches your vibe. Anyways, this is Zaza on Blacks with Blues, getting ready to drop on the ones and twos, even though I don't think we got ones and twos in here. You gotta... I ain't got... They imaginary ones and twos. Just know this. It's about to go down. Yo, 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 yo.
money, I could care less. When you see us coming, no time to collect. Niggas be like, here come the IRS. Kick down doors, shoot through walls. We be the movement, fight for the cause. Gotta fight this bigger than doors. Put the foot out the just gonna say that was lit for the time being yeah that was lit that was lit you're so y'all like that i like that yeah like that that was great <laughs> i can't anyways <laughs> so what i want to get into before we do the uh no yeah before we move on with our lives mm-hmm. uh the future future so dramatic future oh god um what does it look like? What is going to happen? 
uh, for us uh, separately with Blacks of Blues, our lives, things like that. And I guess I'll start us out because that's so hard. It's so big and broad and just oh, scary. subjective to oh, talk about <clears throat> or address, I should say. Um, for me, I'm going to just start talking about Blacks of Blues because that's all I ever do. I hate, I hate just like inserting that into conversation sometimes because <laughs> it sounds like I'm trying to promote a mixtape. That's what you're doing. That, yeah, that's what I'm doing. But uh, to be honest, uh, I want to get get it to a point where I can make money off of this. Because, mm-hmm. oh, you know, artists always want to be able to live off of themselves and make that the career they love and care about. But uh, it ain't really all about the money for me. I really just want to be able to create that single space me and leah had a conversation yesterday actually she called me because she went into this store downtown and it was uh there was this woman there who was considered the a part of the first art family of detroit okay her name is something i don't remember okay so i ain't gonna shout her out but uh, she's like one of the first artistic families of Detroit or whatever. She went in and she started having this conversation with them about uh, how white people use the term African-American to be derogatory or whatever. Just like, I don't know. I can't remember okay. exactly what she said, but not completely derogatory, but to just other us in a negative way. You know what I okay. mean? So they were having a conversation about that. Obviously, she couldn't say too much on it because she's not African-American. She's um from Haiti I don't know where I forgot where she's from either Haiti she's Caribbean American how do you say that Caribbean American Caribbean American yes so um yeah she's that what's that is it raining I don't think so oh well we can still talk sound like popcorn (laughs) anyways so yeah she's Caribbean American or whatever and she couldn't like really talk about the African American experience but she called me and she was like the whole time we were talking, I was just thinking to myself, Justin would love this conversation. And of course she was right, because I would. And the important part about that is a week before that, we went to Sweet Potato Sensations, that's in Redford, um, Old Redford or New Redford, whatever. I think it's Old Redford. And it was like this safe black space. And there's just like so many black women there looking like flawless and amazing and just so cool just openly talking about whatever they wanted to is these small safe spaces that are like scattered all around Detroit for black people of all types of backgrounds and and discretions or whatever you want to call it and it just exists but it's so scattered just like the black diaspora so what I really want to do with the future of blacks of blues is make that concentrated space where you can come for that because you don't just wake up in the morning like you know what I want to do I want to have a socially conscious conversation with a black person who isn't ashy and when I say ashy you know what I mean who's not closed-minded and homophobic and, and transphobic and all that crap. just want to have a conversation with a person who is like me, the same color, who has something to offer in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm doing that is really just talking to all these different types of black people in Detroit, he making is. new friends along the way, he is. and having fun with it. He is. <laughs> I is. I always do. Always. And that's really the future for me. School, college, don't even, even want to talk about it. <laughs> Cause I don't know. I don't. I could go into radio production because it would help this, but I don't know. Looky here. You got the money for that? Cause I don't. Y'all gonna pay somebody out there? You gonna pay for me to go to school? I didn't think so. Y'all gonna pay for Audrey to go to school? I didn't think so. What you wanna do with your life? I remember before you told me not to ask you that, <laughs> cause you was gonna be like, uh. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't. Uh, but that's real. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in a dilemma right now with school and work and just my whole life mm-hmm. is changing based off of the decision I make right now. So That's the hardest part about this time of life. Goodness gracious. Everything yeah. that happens yeah. after this is riding on this moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so... Just, and they make it seem so easy. Just pick. There's no, because there's cons to everything. everything. It's in my decision. But, you know, there's some pros, you know, mm-hmm. it depends. But there's cons to whichever decision I pick. So I'm kind of in a place right now where I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just asking, asking the universe, asking God, look, I don't know what I'm, I Help don't know me. What I'm doing. Help me. Can but you? people need to stop vilifying that. Like, oh, if you don't know, you're just going to be lost for life. Oh, yeah. You know? I think some of the most, like, famous people, or mo- not even famous, to take fame out of it, some of the most successful and acclaimed people were in our shoes mm-hmm. and didn't know. But for some reason, we got the conception in our mind that if I don't know what I want to do when I'm Willow Smith's age right. or, or, or Jaden Smith's age, exactly. then I'm just lost. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, like, the way we show ourselves like on social media too because mm-hmm. a lot of people our age they look like they got it together and we act like we do mm-hmm. i don't yeah i probably think i got it together i'm so lost goodness gracious yeah and it's kind of a pressure to figure out what you want to do because so many a lot of people we see our age looks like they have it together mm-hmm. but we don't yo like half of all the people we went to high school with are like at real universities but some of them are actually at the same community that we go to mm-hmm. but it's, it's still like you know dang I always wish I could have went to a university. I feel like my life would have been even more so popping. But you, you you can't want to you can't want a life that was not meant for you. Yeah, that's what it I is. I feel you. I feel you. University. I don't know. I I couldn't picture myself at one Mm-mm. just because of the social. I think it's just a lot of opportunity there when you go to a university, like educationally. Yeah, and socially. You know, like you know. I don't see myself being a fraternity type person, but you know, mm-hmm. just like the connections. Yeah, I feel you. You know, because you, heck, you can meet another me, even though that's hard to do. <laughs> so hard to teach. You can meet another me in college, or you, you know, or people who can help you be the best that you can be, help you start a business, help you start a collective. But then again, you're not in university and you're doing the same thing. This is true. That's why I have to keep remembering. I'm educating myself on how to make this show. Yeah. I never went to school for podcast production. Exactly. Mixing music, so it it just depends on what, what you want to do. do and how you want to do it. Cause you don't, I, I'm learning. You don't. College isn't for everybody. No, you can learn so many different ways. I understand how important college is. Mm-hmm. I'm in college right now. I don't know what for, mm-hmm. but I understand the importance. Yeah, I think that's something that's been like pushed onto millennials. Absolutely, because we some of us are the first in our family to go to college. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, you gonna go to college? And it's like, why you want me to go here? get all this debt and i don't even know what i want oh my gosh yes because it was a big thing for people you know our parents and them before them because you go to college or whatever oh you're gonna get that good plant job Mm -hmm. especially if you got a degree behind it now a degree ain't nothing it's getting there Mm -hmm. like a degree will help you make a couple more dollars opposed to somebody else in a you know interview but that's it it's just putting a dollar amount behind it and I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person I want to go to school for art. Mm-hmm. That ain't lucrative. Not that's very. True. You know? And I can learn about art outside of the walls. Yeah, that's my thing, too. Like, the things I'm interested mm-hmm. in, I could learn outside of school. Yeah, you know, that's not... Now it's like picking, okay, what can I go to school for that's lucrative that's not going to bore me to death? Yeah, I, I don't have anything. Exactly. I can't think 
I mean, travel is a good one for you. Well, I could travel without a degree. That's true. That's well, like like travel trade school. That's what my mom did. Yeah, but that's for agencies and stuff. Yeah. If I just want to travel the world, I can mm. grab a ticket and go. <laughs> you know, if I want to be a flight attendant. That's I, what I see you. Oh, we should do that. What do we see for each other? For you, I've always seen this for you. Oh Lord. I always thought you was gonna be like a Nat Geo or like Travel Channel blogger. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I wanna, I wanna be on the Travel Channel, and I wanna eat food. Mm-hmm. I wanna be the next Anthony Bourdain. You would be like the first black, black woman, woman, Anthony Bourdain. I wanna be the first. Black oh my, woman. that sounds so beautiful. That's who I wanna be. You know, I was I just telling mom that a couple hours ago. Yeah, I wanna be the next Anthony. You'd be Bourdain. eating cool stuff. Talking to chefs. It would probably be a really socially conscious show too, because when you travel yeah. as a black woman, it's like, oh crap. Oh god. Like I read this article about this black woman who. Back when I was living in Vegas, I was obsessed with black people who go to live abroad, even though technically me living in Vegas was not abroad. But it felt kind of abroad because it was so freaking foreign. It was foreign, far enough for me to feel foreign. But uh, she was talking about how when she lived in Spain, it's actually really racist. Really? Well, I mean, a lot of places are really racist. But for her being there, she's like, it's ridiculously racist. Hmm. And she's just writing about it or whatever. But I'm like obsessed with that now. Yeah. Even though, because we want to travel so badly, but it's like, dang. I'm not too scared about the racism. No? No, I'm not too scared. I feel like as long as you with the right people and you safe. Yeah, you know? it, as long as I'm safe, people can feel any way about Yeah, that's what colors. it, that's, see, care. yeah, because obviously, you know, I don't care what people think about what me. I what I care about is if I'm safe. Yeah. Because sometimes people, yeah. people feel so much about me that yeah. then it becomes violent. That'd be the, that'd be the one issue. Yeah. I don't worry about it too much, but that will be an issue. Yeah. But if somebody just, you know, want to call me a nigga, uh, yeah. Yeah, all right. Let me eat your food. <laughs> Give me your food. Yeah, just let me eat. That's all I'm here for. Yeah. So that's what I see for you. Thank you. I see that for myself too. I just never, uh, I never, I saw it for myself, but I, I still don't know how to go about it. You'll, you'll find the puzzle pieces. I see. I've always thought you were going to be successful. You're just going to be successful. I don't know on what. I know it'll be in something creative, but you're going to be on TV somewhere being. So, uh, not so celebrity, but successful. I just want to eat and feed and you're those. Eat. You're going to eat well, too. To be. You're going to buy me a steak. You sit, what's delicious. that childish Gambino? You sitting at the table, but is you eating? No. Are you eating? No. Are you eating? No. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner ain't for beginners. You ain't even know. I ain't going. I don't remember the song. Sweatpants. Okay. Never oh, heard. Dang. Um, but yeah, I, if I feel like this, if this doesn't work, something else. Oh will. yeah, I adopted the mindset this year. I can't wait for the next episode me and you do together because it's gonna be me, you, and my sister. Mm-hmm. If oh, not yeah. my sister, then we're gonna be talking about some really inspirational yeah, stuff. Yeah, I wanna meet your sister. You gonna love it. But um, one thing that you and her have given me. You remember that day I called you super emotional, made you oh, cry yeah. at work, he, talking he, about. It was a forty-minute conversation, guys, and I was on a fifteen-minute break. <laughs> Just call her like you can literally do anything you put your mind to because you're so good, and it was it was just a lot, but it was real, and uh, that's what I got from both of y'all is is just that uh the energy that you put out into the universe is what you get back, and inevitably you can choose to do anything you want in this life because you're competent enough as long as you got the competence to do it, you know, and you're you're able to do everything that you see yourself doing. I'm working on that mindset. I believe it's true. 
I just gotta, I just gotta believe it for myself. Gotta believe. You gotta believe in yourself. Y'all, guys. y'all gotta believe. I'm working on it too. You're not alone. Trust and believe. Aw. I'm not. Y'all not alone. Goodness gracious, no, you're not. Y'all could talk to us. Yeah. Blacks with Blues Twitter. Nobody hits us up on we Twitter. We have a Twitter. We do. You didn't know we had a Twitter. You like our stuff. Oh. I think. I don't know. Oh. We have a Twitter. Y'all could tweet us or yeah. message us through there. We all see it. Well, Audrey is just now seeing I, it. I'll see it later. But uh, y'all can tweet us. What uh, else we got? I don't got a Facebook. We have an Instagram. We do have yeah, a Facebook. Yeah, we have an Instagram. Um, That's it? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. No Tumblr, because ew. Um, you used to love Tumblr, so I did. don't even. And then I fell out of love with it. What happened? It was, like, what is Tumblr? Tumblr is bad for you. It's just like, you get caught up in pictures and personalities, and it makes you feel bad about yourself. And That's like Twitter for me. Yeah. Twitter yeah. is really draining. Yeah, go. it's draining. That's why I only follow certain people. That's fair. I only yeah. follow people that I literally know in real life, or people that have contacted me and said good things to me, and I have a over the internet relationship with, yeah, like, you know, friend. But uh, yeah, the people on Twitter I know they drain me. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't follow it's everybody. Too political. I, I blocked my auntie. <laughs> I did. She why knows it. Cause she. <laughs> why? Why you need to be on there? Get off. Yeah. Why she? I'm supposed to be on Facebook. I blocked Stay her on, on there Facebook. too. I blocked her on there. God. No. Stop talking. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so. That is. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you for joining me in the Blacks of Blue studio today, or I should say, my studio. Yeah, this is your studio. This is your home mixologist home. studio. Mixologist studio. Well. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. Any last words? Uh, uh, stay, stay well, sane. Insane. Um, follow me on my Instagram platform. It's Zaza Z A S Z A underscore. Someone took the one without the underscore. <coughs> and she, I looked her up, and she never uses it. <laughs> and I'm pissed. This is the white girl. She never uses it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, follow me. Um, and yeah. 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 We're going to see more from Zaza. She's taking her time. Don't rush her mixes. Y'all oh, got yeah. three mixes of hers we to listen to. We got no deadlines. So yeah, we ain't got deadlines out here. We don't drop albums. We just drop cover art. That's my new saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always taking good cover art pictures for somebody's album. I you am. do. So we don't drop, drop albums and mixtapes. We just do the cover we art. We just drop. So follow her Instagram for cover art and possibly a mix every now and again. Every now and then. Yeah. It'll be patient, be y'all. We we working. We just told y'all how hard our life is. Not all of it. But maybe some later. Of it. No. Maybe later. Maybe. You never know. Yeah. Anyways, this is Blacks of Blues. And I'm in studio with Zaza. Zaza. <laughs> this is Blacks of Blues. Bam. Could you?
about myself. I've just chosen to not recognize them and act on them. Like, I've always been aware of my faults. I didn't crave to want to feel great because I hadn't, I haven't felt the way I've been feeling recently and feel now in a very long time. Like, I feel, I feel whole again. So with a hat of an activist We are all the same and they got our names on the blackest list Money ain't shit, it's the way they package it So do what you're passionate About time that you realize that we can fly Put your soul up and reach the sky The universe has ears and eyes It's watching you, what you say and what you do It's way past I hate these things, they piss me off They take our dreams and give us jobs Vibrations are way more than songs Subliminal conditionings involved
it's been the same since the dawn of the dawn. <laughs> Some of us had no sense of rain. And power is sought to the level of the poor. Seems like there ain't no place for the scrupulous man. No. With no inner need to supersede or to command the upper hand. said it right for the first time i really did i'm i'm really excited to be this is a real studio 
This is, yes. We're in a real Blacks and Blue studio. They don't need to know where we are. They don't. <laughs> they do not. All know. I know is that this is a legitimate studio. And you have this like super nice mic. I have a super nice mic. They don't really need to know what I use. <laughs> Let's just say this. We on some professional-ish knit right now. Oh, we are. We some are. professional-ish knit. So, Mr. Tavon. Yes. My friend. My fam. My uh, black messiah. Welcome to the show. Your second time on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're part of the nucleus, so you have right. to be here. Obviously. It's kind of required. <laughs> yeah. I would have chased you down otherwise. So, But, uh... Welcome to the Nucleus, officially, because you know what this episode is about. They don't, but that's why we're here to talk about that. The Nucleus, right? So, um, it's basically just the inner circle slash hierarchy, even though I don't want to call it a hierarchy, because nobody's better than anybody when it comes to Blacks or Blues, right? Right. But uh, it's just the inner circle of people who help create this frequently. I, uh, I've been talking to a lot of people recently, and I like how I put this one sentence in conversations that are centered around black people having socially conscious conversations across the world. And I usually say the conversation exists. Like just a couple of days ago, the conversation was existing inside of somebody's car. Before that, it was in somebody's apartment. Before that, it was an office building. Like the conversation <coughs> exists across the world. But the important thing is creating that concentrated environment for socially conscious conversation centered around black individuals to exist and that's essentially what the nucleus is wherever we exist is where that that light and topic can be concentrated and focused on and so i, I just think that's important because it's, it's more than just socially conscious conversation it's a place for black people to feel safe exist without harm so on and so forth so yeah you're a part of that me you chris Audrey La. I don't know why I put a La at the end of her mm, name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> Alyssa. And myself. Right. So, I just want to ask you, my family, what does your blackness look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Especially <laughs> as a Metro Detroiter. It, um... It feels black. <laughs> um, you know, I think like uh, blackness comes in so many different shades and um, different ways. I think it's hard to say exactly what, what what black feels like. I guess my blackness is is all about helping, helping and creating, helping. Well, creating to help. How about that? Yeah. Mm. So creating to help, creating art to help, creating programs to help people help artist create um if that made sense yeah <laughs> um just just, just 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 helping honestly my, my blackness feels like nurturing and 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 it looks like helping and it smells like shea butter coconut oil and um and uh and uh shea moisture sometimes okay um so i think that's what my blackness is just helping mm -hmm. helping the next generation Helping previous generations, if, if I must. Helping this generation. Helping the world <clears throat> um, see blackness as, as something a little different, you know. Because I think with, with every black person, we always put our own spin on black mm -hmm. blackness, you know. And, like, 
letting go of what the media perpetuates as blackness you know like those stereotypes those yeah yeah so you're just about helping the people yeah you're the you're the water i am the water in the environment you you reign i do reign you reign to provide growth i like that yes that's that's very important and especially i think that's very i don't want to say ironic but I, i guess i'll ask you how you feel about that do you think become this black individual who roots themselves in helping and assisting others because you have grown up well have you grown up completely in Detroit yeah okay yeah so you've yeah, been here from, all yeah time. so Detroit. do you I've think it's a result of you you know being born and raised in Detroit yeah and, and I think that definitely has to do with being from Detroit mm-hmm. and I think like being from cities like Detroit um they just help you they make you want to help mm-hmm. and that that's not to say everybody in Detroit is a helper because that's not mm-hmm. true it's just to say that the way in which I was reared as a child um just gave me the uh the the, the eyes to see when people need help and and to feel empathy mm-hmm. for for people who are less fortunate than me and and I wasn't always fortunate I'm, I'm not fortunate now but I mean um like I know people who are a lot less better off and I know people who are a lot more well off, but you know, I know people who are like really struggling. Um, but you know, the world is only as big as you make it and only as small as you make it. And if the world is, is based around, you know, the people that you know and, 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 and how well the people that you know, keep it and how well you keep it then why not, you know, make your world a much more inhabitable place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not saying to give money to every homeless person you meet, but, I mean, why not give something to at least one of them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, what is that going to hurt you, yeah. you know? And if it does hurt you, then don't. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then why not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been thrown into situations where I have to help, mm-hmm. where I am the helper. So, helping. So do you pair that back to your like mission statement as an as artist? As an artist, yeah, yeah, or like your because all artists they have you're doing it for a reason. Personally, you know, I do this because if I don't do it, then I'm not alive. Point blank, you know, I've paired to me being able to survive and exist. So you pair it to helping. Yes, to an extent, right? So that's very selfless. But on the selfish side, it is about like, if if I don't do it, I'm going to die. Like, if I don't do art, I don't feel whole. I don't feel like a person. I feel very dead. Um, So I must help. Um, I got to help. It is a... I'm sorry, wait. I got to help, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I have to do art. There it is. I have to do art. Because if I don't, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, that's your form if I, of, of yeah. revolutionary yeah. protest slash help yeah if i don't do it i'm gonna die mm-hmm. man. i gotta do it and that's that's radical itself because it's kind of just like you know they tried to undercut the black panthers because they were like giving meals to communities and actually helping the community you know when you learn about it in certain lights it's all always about the radical things alleged right. radical right. behavior yeah that they carried out but you know they were actually helping people giving meals teaching right. kids giving yeah. classes so on and so forth and 
I guess as a black individual, you have to be careful sometimes when you you root yourself in wanting to be that for other people, especially as an artist. Yeah. Because it's just very you're vulnerable. Yeah. You're vulnerable because you care yeah. about other people and those yeah. people are already vulnerable because they're in situations where they've been cut down so low. So uh, it's, it kind of reminds me like how my sister once told me that uh, a lot of places in the world, they don't want to see a proud nigga. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like, uh, like back during the Holocaust, they separated certain people from others for a certain reason, because when certain voices come together, and conversation starts that that gives room for smoke and in smoke you know takes place revolution and uh things that whoever doesn't want to see the world flourish and see revolution might want to stamp out if that makes sense no it does i got you um, yeah so you're you're (laughs) this reminds me so your mission statement it, it um I have not seen any urban farms myself. Actually, I've seen one in Detroit. But your mission statement really reminds me about the urban farming unit in Detroit. But I want to talk more about uh, one thing I did just learn about recently, thanks to Leah again. I'm just shouting Leah out a a lot in this episode. (laughs) um, Recently, we just went to this uh, place for breakfast a couple days ago. I didn't tell you about that, did I? Did you put it on Instagram? I did. I put it on Instagram. You didn't tell me about it, but I I can tell you about it and Mm. tell the wonderful people about it because people want to know. Don't tell me anything. Um, we went to this place called Roses Fine Food. It's off of Jefferson in Detroit, um, kind of right across from Sinbad's uh, seafood restaurant. Oh, so you were in my hood? Yeah. Mm. That's not the hood. No, you were in my hood. Oh, you in your weren't hood, far yeah. from me. Oh, okay, yeah. It was a hood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um it was really beautiful. And, you know, she prepped to me about what I would experience before we went there and I thought it was just amazing because they only serve um local produce. Oh, really? From farms in Detroit just places. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what's and, up. Uh, that's amazing to me. So I had like this granola bowl with fresh yogurt and fresh blueberries. And I like I could not remember the last time I had food that fresh. Mm, like how much was it? It was the granola bowl was like nine dollars. But the cool thing about that restaurant is when you go there with somebody, uh, they split the checks evenly. Okay. So it's it's just like you go half in, I go half in. It's not about what you pay or what you ate. You pay for you just split it down the middle, which I think is kind of interesting. That is interesting. It, it speaks to uh, uh-huh. just just we should go yeah you know it's so beautiful like i really want to take everybody I know. right all um, the blacks with blues meet up at uh at rosie at rosie <laughs> yes yeah leah would love that um she one thing she also told me that really like resonated with me everybody who works there makes living wages and i think that's really important because yeah like from waiters to bussers to dishwashers oh cooks, wow you make a living wage and i think that that speaks a lot to you actually caring about your job because mm-hmm. think about if you had a job that you cared about because you I, I know you have a job that you actually care about because it's rooted in helping others it is. and um it's imagine doing that what mm-hmm. you love something you care about but right. also being paid right. well well yeah because either or sometimes it's like i'm doing a job that i can't really resonate with or connect to or you're doing something and i'm you getting love, paid well getting or awesome. i'm doing yeah. something that i love but i'm not getting paid for i.e being a starving artist <gasps> or being a receptionist at a bank <clears throat> or something like that yeah you know and so i thought that from there on it made me really think about 
I had this conversation with Alyssa last night. What if artists, because Aaliyah was telling me a little bit about herself, and I'm not going to speak on that for her because that's why I'm going to have her on an episode to talk more about herself. But the career that she has goes, in my mind, I'm not going to speak for her, but in my mind, it goes perfectly with being a fine artist. It, it, she's still able to have shows. Why are you whispering? What's her career? Why were you whispering? I didn't know if you wanted. That. I didn't was, know if you wanted. Oh, to say okay. That. You so. were trying. He was trying to keep some anonymity. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was so precious. Yeah. She's in advertising. Oh, okay. Cool. I just didn't want to ruin it for her because I would love her to speak for herself. Okay. I don't like to, you know, I don't like to mansplain or speak for women. They have a voice. I got you. They can do that. They do have a voice. Uh, we all have voices. voices, so we can handle that ourselves. We can speak. Uh, um, and... Yeah, she's in advertising. And just the way her job is set up, you know, she she's learned a lot. She went to CCS for advertisement, and she's in a really cool place. And um, it just, it, it coexists well with considering yourself as a fine artist, you know? She mm-hmm. still has room to participate in exhibits and practice her craft and not feel like her career, you know, what she lives off of, is detrimental to her artistic livelihood. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately because I'm like, okay, I don't wanna be one of those artists that has to work, you know, service industry jobs just to survive, which is nothing wrong with that. Some artists can do that, but I don't wanna be in like the food industry, customer service type thing for the rest of my life, trying to supply my artistic livelihood. I want a career that goes, you know, it's all about balance yeah and i can't just be rooted completely in a career that i don't really love i'd rather have a career that you know i can live off of and it also supplies my artisthood right i should say yeah but uh back to the urban farming unit and just rosie's i thought that was really interesting that is really because it goes it's just it reassures what i think detroit is and it's just all about communion you know humanity mm-hmm. existing at right. once together constantly yeah when you can get the food that you serve in a restaurant from the farm down the street well not right down the street but you know in the right <laughs> you can get on the expressway and go get it so yeah i just i think that's really cool it is it is I, and i think it speaks to just how small detroit is um i mean it's only 148 square miles um no 142 there it is um square miles and it's small and the world is small and so and and it's really cool that that restaurant instead of going to you know a kroger or something you know just getting mass produced whatever they're like nah we gonna go to these farms over here in this neighborhood and get it so yeah and it speaks to people wanting to live it's like we want to live, don't we? So why don't we supply our own health and wealth and knowledge by putting effort back into our own communities? But um, one thing I, I do want to also ask you, in addition to as in, well, also, how many more words can I put in between that before I ask the actual question? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Your journey, right? Because My we, journey? We, we know who you are. Right. Kind of, at this point. Right. As an artist, as right. a black artist right mm. from the metro detroit area right 
But what has the journey been like getting here? Because you haven't right. found yourself completely. No right. one ever does. No one ever does. But you, you, some things are acquired mm-hmm. that weren't always there. Right. That are very beneficial to carrying out the rest of your life. Yes. So what has the, the, the journey, journey. Yeah, been like getting here? Uh, it, it's still going. Yeah, so the journey. Um, it, it's, it's still going. But um, it it starts or it's starting or it's <sighs> the more I re- the more I realize about myself the more I accept myself the more I um, acknowledge who I am and and just take all that in the, the 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 faster the journey is but I don't want to end the journey you know because I really like this ride and um, you know and it's like I'm going through a desert and I you know, I'm in in well air conditioned car, so I like that. But um, I mean, the more I, I realize, the more I just accept who I am as a person, um, spiritually, uh, sexually, artistically. Um, just it's just a better journey because I mean, I I think like for me, being an artist and being a person go hand in hand. So the more I realize about myself artistically the more I realize about myself as a human Mm. and as a person Mm -hmm. um you know but you know it's it's just going you know uh I think um by the end of this year the world at least the people (laughs) around me will you know have a nice sense of who I am artistically Mm -hmm. musically at least at this point at this juncture in my life Mm -hmm. um because people will have like a nice visual and sonic idea of, of where I am and where I'm going um, and that journey. So Are we allowed to talk about how you practice that within your music and the visuals you try to pair to? Because I know we, we've talked about a little bit, the visuals that you try to pair to your music. I've heard some of your music finally. Um, are we allowed to talk about that? I know you're very, not secretive. We're allowed. Okay. Depending on what questions I decide to ask you, so I'm I'm thinking. I've heard your lyrics, Mm -hmm. and they're very centered. They're you you associate artists with certain principles, and when I think about your lyrics and just the way you present yourself as an artist, I I see. I've been seeing this reoccurring though in a lot of just uh, black people lately, where blurring the lines in a sense to what it means to be masculine, what it means to be feminine, and just what it means to be. Literally mm-hmm. just existence. We're playing on existence itself and then the the gray areas and gender and sex and things like that. But then you also, you touch on social justice issues as well. Being a black man in the society, police brutality, love, relationships, toxicity. How, when you're sitting I guess I guess I'm now I'm asking you about your artistic process as a black individual. How does that process through your mind? And I don't really expect like a set answer because I can't really tell you how I process the crazy stuff that I do. But I guess what I really am asking that I can get a concrete answer or answer out of is when you're creating, right? Mm-hmm. What's that connection like to the work? Because you you are actively telling a story. You're uh, writing words down. Um. Okay. So. It's actually <laughs> kind of methodical mm-hmm. for me, at least, right? It's not as um, 
throwing darts, you know, in a dark room mm. at a dark dartboard. That's mm. not the way it works for me, right? And, and so I can actually, for the most part, kind of explain what happens. Some 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 things I can't, but I mean, for me, it's like. Um, and I was talking to somebody about like creating music, and and they were like, "What comes first for you, right?" Uh, melody or words right and and I said both right mm. I can't think of one without the other mm. kind of like what I said about life and art for mm. me right everything just kind of comes at once for me I hear I hear everything at once or I or you know I, I, I see it all at once and then I just put it together um and when it comes to like the matter like the subject matter I never really know what's happening in that way that's one thing I can never really explain I never really know what's happening in my music I just hear it and then I'm like okay I think this is what this is about let me try to make this a bit more clear mm -hmm. Ooh, let me touch on this but then oftentimes when I try to touch on something it doesn't go that way and then I'm like okay I didn't touch on this but I touched on this I like that right I'm like ooh, I want to touch on to ma uh, toxic masculinity ah, I didn't touch on that I touched on police brutality mm. that's good enough let's just keep it moving let's it's not kinda like you're interpreting your own language I am while you're ha ah, language I think that's maybe <laughs> maybe that's what it is maybe because we all have our own languages I think as artists, so you know what I mean yeah I was talking to Darius uh, one time that I don't remember and um, he was telling me that he's not all that great of a speller for whatever reason and I thought that was interesting because he there's something there in the brain where you go to spell next but you accidentally spell noxed you know mm. N-O-X-T and I think that's what comes back maybe it's just like something that we don't really grasp about the Queen's English but I think there's like this creative bubble inside the mind where it's like no I don't want to spell N-E-X-T I want to spell N-O-X-T yeah. what does that mean in my mind yeah and I guess to relate it back to how you create when you go from oh I want to touch on this oh I want to touch on that that's you like formulating your language yeah. and then putting it into most clauses and sentences and things like that most definitely um it's it's yeah because because I just create you know and and and, and a lot of times for me like I can't I can't necessarily like put into words the creation, right? Mm -hmm. But when it's created, right? When I look back at what I wrote or or oftentimes what I record on my voice recorder, I'm like, okay, I like where this is going. Mm -hmm. Um and then at the end I, I I figure out what it's about and um I just try to make sure that that message is getting through. But sometimes that doesn't get through to people because people have their own interpretations. And I'm really okay with that. So I'm really excited to see when I'm done with this project. Um, because it'll be my first project. Are what we allowed will, to know what it's about? What, what it's about? Can we get like three words that summarize what this project is going to be about? Yeah. I know it's obviously about you to an extent. Because it always comes from the artist. Let me let me let me think of three words that will give or you whatever words you want to use to describe this. Right? Yeah. Let me let me give you three words or three word thingies. Um, death, life, love. Yeah. Death, life, love. I think I want to give you a fourth word. Death, life, love, Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Death, life, love. I like Detroit. thinking about it as in, in black. Death, life, love, Detroit, blackness. Okay. That's I love that because literally, 
it kind of relates back to why I create art or the things that I create now. I just want to create a narrative that reminds people that black people experience life. Yeah. And I think that's literally what your project is entailing, the fact that black people too experience life because yeah. you're yeah. expressing the fact that we live yeah. in between life and death is yeah. love <laughs> where we are inhabiting or where, where we inhabit, which is in this case Detroit, your blackness, which is a part of you being alive, yeah. and then the the death, the untimely death of it all. Well, that got a little dark. Well, I don't well, see. I don't look at death like a dark thing. Okay. Um, because I think I think black people love death, whether or not we know it, whether or not we accept it, whether or not we even acknowledge it. We are obsessed with death. Um, it is what it it's is. It's a constant thought process. It's a constant thing. Like I think most humans are are obsessed with death to an extent, mm-hmm. because I mean we're living to die and we're dying mm-hmm. to live you know all at the same mm-hmm. time so um it's actually a lyric of mine um but w- like that's literally our lives like if you just look at the way in which we were brought here to america right um that's a past and it's gloomy and whenever we think about that it's always like this dark thing which it is um and it's always centered around death the killing of our people we look at ourselves today right police brutality um water crisis in multiple cities around the u.s <clears throat> that are populated with black people uh the the pending death of these people death um and then we think about like our artists who die untimely Aaliyah, tupac um biggie whoever <laughs> insert name of of artists um, with untimely death. Surprised you didn't say Prince, right? Still, so, still sore for you. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. I mean, tomorrow, Everybody is, out there the, tomorrow is the anniversary of of mm. his death. Um, I mean, I guess Prince, but I don't really know if Prince died untimely. Okay. I think he knew he was gonna die. That's fair. So I don't That's really consider him untimely. But you know, insert name of all these people, and like we're obsessed, right? Mm-hmm. Like we never really let Aaliyah die. Mm. Right, <laughs> we've never we've never let Tupac die. Like there are so many people who think this man is somewhere in Cuba, and I don't know if he's in Cuba. I've never been. I've never seen him. But you know, I think that just speaks to honestly just something in us having to do with like our ancestors and, and not wanting to let go of the people that have uh, passed because because they, because they've never they're never really gone. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. They're never really gone. Yeah. Um, like the respect for life. Yeah, it is I was also the respect for life. Yeah. One time, I think Alista posted it somewhere, but it was kind of like our sacred love for the earth and life is what keeps us because it was. It started out, you know, black people if they really wanted to, they could burn this world to the freaking ground, we could destroy this whole entire world. True. And what keeps us from not doing that is our sacred love for life mm-hmm. and the planet that we live on, right. and you know, for ourselves and each other. And I feel like that's been skewed as of late, but I'm not going to really go into that. Actually, I will go into that for a little bit because I remember once we talked about how timeless certain themes within blackness is and death would always be timeless because it's always going to exist. And uh, I remember saying how what's going on will always be relevant because something's always going on. As long as humanity continues to exist and people continue to be social there's going to be social justice. When issues. you say what's going on, you're talking about the Marvin Gaye. Yes, album, Marvin Gaye's. Okay, I, that was implied. Just for that clarification. Yeah, not everybody knows what that was. But so Marvin Gaye's, what's going on? Because it's, it's a project about what was going on at that time period and the 
I don't want to say the funny thing or the ironic thing, but the very interesting thing about that is police brutality will probably go on to exist. Being black and being oppressed will most likely go on to exist. All of these themes will go on to exist because we're, we're humans and humanity comes with certain baggage, you know? Right. And so just like with death, life comes with certain types of baggage. Yeah. And that's going to continue to exist. And so these things continue to resonate into the future no matter what we do. Yeah. Because humanity is just that itself. Yeah. A yeah. cluster fuck of just yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. So those are five <laughs> words to okay. des- to describe. That's what we're waiting on. This okay, project. so one last thing I wanna get to with you to with you is what's next? We already know the project's coming. But what I wanna ask you is what do you want out of your artistry, your livelihood as a black artistic male noid male noid that's a fun word male noid from detroit um who creates what's what do you want what's next what are you actively pursuing because we we know about the project but where do you want to go in your artistry and where do you want to go in your life what's the future like for you i want I want to just help liberate black folks all over the world, man. That's just, that's what I want to do. And that's kind of where I want to go with my artistry. Um, Yeah, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to go with it. I just want to help liberate. I want people to be liberated. You're in the right place. This is all about liberation, man. Literally about about liberation. Um, (laughs) Because I I think like the stories that I'm trying to tell are stories that aren't told often um at least not from the perspective that i'm telling them ain't it funny though how certain stories come to you as an artist that might not even be yours oh yeah most definitely i think that's so interesting because some stories come to me that i can't even relate to but i'm like i have to tell this like this ain't my story but you know something that's very interesting is that um so uh, kendrick lamar recently released an album called damn Damn. um and I was reading this, um, or not reading, I was watching this video on um, why Kendrick is such a great storyteller. And it was, I think it was uh, produced by some white guy on YouTube, but it was very nice, right? It was, a, and, and it really broke down Kendrick, like, um, really. Like, things that I had thought about, but never really, like, materialized in my mind, just, like, little thoughts. And, and what the guy said, which I agreed with, was that Kendrick tells <clears throat> most of his stories through characters that aren't himself yeah. they aren't his stories necessarily so right they might be stories that he and somehow connected to mm-hmm. or they could be completely made up i don't know but they aren't his stories he's telling stories about compton and yeah, the people he's experienced my favorite one is uh the one in sing about me and uh it's the girl girl sister that he was talking about in mm. section 80 was it yeah uh, no, or was it good? No, it was Section 80. And, Section uh, 80. She's like, you wrote a song about my sister. The message was since simple. Brenda's got a baby. And then she went on this whole, like, thing. Right, like, yeah. I don't need you to bring attention to me. I do enough of that for myself. Myself, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. she's like, you could sell this pussy for me if you want to help. <laughs> right. If you could only walk in the hills, I walk in. Or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. It was very interesting. Um, And so... It's interesting that you say that, but also I've had this conversation with somebody, not this particular conversation, but a conversation about Kendrick and like misogyny. And so, and it was very interesting because I kind of just want to say this, right? And I'm gonna leave this here, right? And it's not about misogyny because I don't excuse misogyny. But what I have to say is, is that 
Um, before you call someone misogynistic, right? Who is an artist, right? Okay. In Kendrick's case, because so he released this album, and on the album there's a line where he says, um, "I'm an Israelite. Don't call me black no more," or something like that, right? And so someone said that, and they got upset, and they got all these comments, and I'm like, he's telling the story through a whole nother character that isn't him. Mm-hmm. And then he says the character's name. <sighs> Can we please just like, <laughs> just look at art as art for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. And and like think about it through an artistic lens. And the thing was is that the person who said this was an artist. So it made me even more mm-hmm. upset because I'm like, you really just hurt one line and just picked at it right mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that kendrick isn't misogynistic because he could be because most cisgender men are mm-hmm. so i'm not saying that he isn't but what i am saying is that if you're if you're listening to art why are you nitpicking everything try to enjoy it mm-hmm. i guess that's it that's fine yeah. mm-hmm. with that being said now that we're talking about music give me some songs i know you brought some songs with you uh um Memory Lane by Minnie Ripperton. Ooh. Yep. Lust of Minnie Ripperton. Yep. Yes. There it is. So you feeling these songs? I am feeling these songs. All right. Yes. Thank you so much yes. for your time and your interview. You're welcome. We hope to see so much more from you. You will. I mean, no, we're going to have you on the oh. podcast, yeah. of course, but for people who are listening right now, I'm pretty sure we're excited to hear your artistry live and in stereo. So... On Blacks of Blues, I can't wait to the day I have an actual radio program, so I'd be like, Blacks of Blues Radio, but I'm not going to do that. So on Blacks <laughs> of Blues right now, for the second and so many more times after this one, we have Tay Yvonne. Yes. And this Tay is Blacks Yvonne. of Blues. Peace. i
Thank you guys so much for sticking with us this long um, and figuring out what this thing we do just about every month is. Still figuring it out myself, but um, it just makes me happy to uh, offer something, whether it be music or uh, people and conversations. It's just important to give something to uh, go into the black narrative that's a part of this world. Um, Stay tuned for the next couple of months. Got some special things planned, speaking to black business owners black women who are business owners just black people and bridging that segregated gap in between the different cultures within the city of detroit so 
with that being said thank you guys so much thank you my friends for helping me with this episode and lastly this is what it sounds like to be black and with the blues breast the death breast 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 the death breast 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 the death breast breast the death breast 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 the death breast 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 the death breast breast the death breast 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 the death